the Humanity Church podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Shades and hues of green takes a turn into colors of crimson. Burnt orange and pale yellow signaling the change of season. The death of the old to make space for the new. What's the reason for these seasons? The end of sunnier days to darker afternoons, this shift, summer, hotter, escaping to beaches, pools, and anywhere what they see from the sun's kisses, spring, greener, the rebirth of plants as butterflies dance, fall, cozier, sweater weather, pumpkin spice latte, shorter days, longer nights, more traditions and intention to gather together. Winter, warmer as hearts intentionally nestle closer, knitted and woven together as family, kindred spirits, friends, brothers and sisters. The change of season beckons for slower living. Conversations around the table where all are welcome. Come as you are. There is room for you. Decorations and tinks and family heirlooms being dusted off and displayed for all to see for their once a year. Starring china plates for Thanksgiving, glistening and mesmerizing Christmas lights to adorn trees and a New Year's resolution for 2023. As we gaze into the future for what our hearts see, we see our family together happily. Gratitude for Thanksgiving, generosity for Christmas, vision for the new year, new me, new we. What do you see your holidays to be? The change to our seasons is a reminder of something far, far greater. A maker, so creative, so loving, so mighty, who hangs and holds the earth to his heart, not too close to the sun to be scorched and not too far to freeze. God has given us all a gift to experience the life and death of change. Our journey of 365 days around the sun. Think of this moment here and now and think back of your favorite memories with your loved ones. Does it feel like yesterday? Does it feel like forever? What did it feel like? What did it smell like? How did it make you feel? What makes these holidays so magical is it comes once a year, holding the weight and power of being a pillar, a reminder of what was and what is. Last year might have been the last year of something. This year might be the first year or the start of something new. Let's make this seasons count by treating our time as the gift that it truly is. God calls us to make our lives this beautiful, adventurous, inspiring, unprecedented life count, not counting down the minutes or months to the next, rather making this moment here and now matter. Be where your two feet are and grow and bloom where you are planted. Breathe, feel your heart beat. 
Think of the loved ones you want to see, hold, cherish, and savor. These seasons are more than just good feelings from a maker. Those seasons are more than just good times. Rather, to express the love of the one who is the reason of our seasons. All right. Thank you, Lauren. That was so beautiful. How you doing this morning, Humanity Church? Some awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here. We are in the middle of a conversation that we are calling Fostering Gratitude that we launched last week. How many of you have your gratitude jars somewhere at home? All right. We have had one hashtag. All right. So I need some photos. I need some photo evidence. All right. Of that. And we talked about last week entering into this season where we are going to be fostering gratitude in our lives, in our communities, in our families. And really this is more of a lifestyle that we're inviting you into, a perspective shift, a new way of seeing the world around you. It's, it's a way to cultivate this perspective that everything that we have is a gift. And that when we're willing to see the world through that lens, that it transforms so much around us. Gratitude changes literally not only how you see the world, but what you actually can see. It it widens your perspective to see things that were not there a moment ago from your perspective. The crazy thing is they may have been there your whole life. And gratitude just opens your eyes. It gives you access to them. It transforms then your experience here and now. The beautiful thing about gratitude is that in any given moment, you can step into an abundant life. That it's not like a one day when I have, one day when things change, one day when I'm able to. It is available here and now. And it's not, again, it's not that you didn't have and then suddenly you did have and now I can be grateful. It's that I couldn't see it and now I am able to see it because of gratitude and it has transformed everything around me. And we have to foster this. We have to foster this way of being, this attitude, this perspective, because it is not our human default. It is not what we are born with. It is something that we get to nurture and foster and to help grow. We develop this muscle in our lives. In fact, the scriptures inform us of our default nature. That it informs us if gratitude is not our default nature, the scripture actually informs us of what's actually up. And in Romans 3, 10 through 12, it tells us about our default state. And it says this, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned their way. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Good morning, right? Now, here's the thing. So many people read this passage and they assume that it is bad news. Like, we read this and look, of all the passage that I would, uh, like, want to preach at, like, a wedding, this is probably not the passage that I'd start off with, Right? Even at a funeral, if I didn't like the person, I wouldn't start out with this passage. And actually, today, there's so much energy and theological backflips and all kinds of mental gymnastics to explain away this passage. But here's actually what I have found in life, is that it takes a lot of faith to believe the opposite. I think it actually takes a lot of faith to believe that humanity is inherently born good and there is so much goodness in us and that it just needs to be unlocked somehow. I actually think that takes a lot more faith. Because I don't know about you, but when I look out at the world, I'm not like, 
man, this is the paradise that God intended. <laughs> Especially after an election, right? <laughs> I, I look out at humanity, I'm like, this, this is a mess. <laughs> and I, I don't know about you, but what I've noticed is that when human beings are left to their default, they usually don't just drift into goodness. So it actually takes a lot more belief to believe that we are inherently good in some way, shape, or form. And I, I find that the people who are trying to prove that right, they're kind of like the, 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 the mom or the wife that is really attempting to keep everything together. And they're like, it's fine, the kids are wonderful, no, there's nothing going wrong, everything's fine, right? And when I read this passage, there's actually this sigh of relief in me that goes, oh, I'm not the only one. I don't know about you. It's an invitation to come out from hiding. It's an invitation just to go, oh, yeah, there's a lot of me that, that is dark and that doesn't live up to even my own standards, let alone God's. And the quicker we're able to just settle into this reality, the more powerful we actually can become. I find that when I coach people, moving people towards the reality of this space is one of the most difficult things. And I find that when people get there, it actually is a platform to regain the power that God has given them, to, to just settle into this. And here, here's how I actually know this reality to be true, that there is no one good, there's no righteous, none of us follow Jesus. Uh, how many of you, not that none of us follow Jesus, that none of us are seeking God actively, like at our core and our default. How many of you have had, experiences in your life that you would say were not good? Raise your hand. Like, like you've gone through things and you would put them in the category of this is in the not good category. How many of you had experiences in your life that you're like, man, that experience was incredibly painful? Yes? And you'd put that in the painful category over here. How many of you have ever been betrayed by another human being in life? Yeah, and we could put that over here in this category over here as well. And so we find that we have gone through all kinds of things in life that are painful, that have left a mark, that have shamed us, people that have betrayed us, people that have let us down. And when we look back on our lives, this reality becomes a little more real because we can recognize, oh yeah, there's a lot of things that I put in the not-so-good pile over here, the painful pile the betrayal pile, the, the hurtful pile. Now here's the thing, what we do with those experiences as a human being determines so much of our life. It, it really doesn't matter what's in that pile, what really matters is what we do with it. How we relate to it, how we engage it, how we hold it. Because how many of you notice that as a result of some of these experiences that you've had in life, you're fragmented in some way, shape or form? Yeah, there's pieces of you that feel out of alignment or disjointed or when things come up, you recognize this is not who I want to be. Here's how I know that there's some fragmentation in me because how many of you have ever said, I want to do this, but then I do this, yes? yes. I'd like to go on a diet and then I eat the in and out right? I'd like to stop yelling at my kids and then I don't. And then I would like to be a little more of a kind person at work and then I get there and I'm grumpy and, and whatever it may be. And so there's this fragmentation inside all of us. Now some of us are a little more fragmented than others. Some of you are a little bit more like maracas, you know, and we shake you and there's just like a lot of pieces in there. Some of you, the fragmentation may just be a little deeper down underneath the surface. Some of you may not even be aware of it. It's hidden from us. But we all know what it feels like to be out of alignment, disjointed, fragmented in, in some way, shape, or form. And the beautiful thing is that the healing that Jesus offers 
actually goes far beyond our physical bodies. I know it's exciting to, to hear about physical manifestations of Jesus' healings in people's lives. That, that's beautiful to see, and we see that all over our community here. But when Jesus offers us healing, he actually goes far beyond just what's taking place at a physical surface issue, and he brings us into the deeper conversation of what healing looks like. Over the last few months, uh, I've lost now about 110 pounds, which has been great, which has been really exciting. What I've noticed over the last few months in this process is that I'm getting pain in places in my body that I have not had pain before, which I was not expecting, right? I was thinking, great, I'm going to lose weight, get rid of all my pain, and we're going to move on with life, and that's going to be wonderful. And what I've noticed is that now I have pain in this knee, I have pain in my upper back, occasionally I have pain in my neck, and I'm like, where did this come from? So I, I talked to my good friend, Jana, who's an ART specialist this weekend. We were out at San Diego at a conference, and I was asking her about these new pains that I found, that I found in my body, and she, she gave me a very interesting explanation. She said, Those pain, that pain has probably been there the whole time. That pain's actually probably been alive and well in your body this entire time. But your, your, your nervous system can only handle so much pain. And so what your body does for you is that it kind of decides what pain you need to be aware of. And so she said, while other pain has disappeared, while my joints feel lighter in certain areas and I've gotten rid of lower back pain, my feet don't hurt anymore, all that pain is gone. Now my body's like, let's address the other pain. Now let me show you all the other places that have been in pain for the last few years so we can start addressing those things. It's not that the pain wasn't there and now it suddenly is there. It's that I'm more aware of the pain that's there. See, there is actually something beautiful that happens when we become aware of our need for spiritual healing. Because when we're unaware of it, we can go on through life with a damaged soul with a soul that's constantly out of alignment, with a soul that's constantly fragmented, with a soul that's constantly disconnected from God, from what we say we want, from no, from the person that we know God has created to be, created us to be, and we can go on with life completely unaware of it. It's when we become aware of the fragmentation, of the out of alignment, of the disintegrity in our lives that we're able to actually do something about it. And, uh, and there's this passage in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. Through 31. Now, we've read this passage quite a bit, but I actually want to focus on a new part of this passage that we don't often talk about. It says this, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus said, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Now, we focused a lot on this last part here at Humanity Church because I believe that we can go our entire lives focusing on that one passage, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, and we would spend our entire lives trying to get that right and still go to our grave not perfecting it. But we don't often talk about this first part. This first part is actually a very important part in Hebrew culture. It's called the Shema. And it says this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Weird flex, but okay, right? Like of all the things that God could start out this passage with, explaining 
That we are to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor as ourselves. The greatest commandment, that of all the characteristics that he chooses to introduce at that moment, the characteristic that he chooses to introduce is the Lord your God is one. He's not like, the Lord your God is all-powerful. This is not even the Lord your God is all-forgiving. It's not even that the Lord your God is all-loving. That would make sense in the context of this commandment about love. But he says, the Lord your God is one. The Lord your God is whole. The Lord your God is complete. He is undivided in his thinking. There is no fragmentation in him. He is never out of alignment with himself. There is never a moment where he thinks one thing and does another or has a certain emotion and that emotion dictates his behavior. He is one. He is whole. He is complete. He is integrated. We, on the other hand, are a different story (laughs) because we find ourselves often in this space where we're out of alignment with not only who God is, but what he says we are and who we know ourselves to be and what we're capable of. And does your fragmentation ever show up in your thinking? In the way you think about yourself and the world, about other people, about what you want to do? Just this last two weekends ago, I was in Pasadena at a conference speaking and Uh, I was in this hotel, and my car had gotten broken into the night before, as I talked about last week. So I didn't have a car. Marla dropped me off at this hotel in Pasadena. I'm I'm all by myself. And usually when I'm out at a conference, I like to go find out where the cool coffee shop is in the area, get some good coffee. And uh, so now I'm having to get up. It was freezing cold for Southern California. I know for those of you who are watching in, like, Michigan, you can roll your eyes at us. But for Southern California, it was, like, 60 degrees, and we were freezing. And, uh, And I remember... Getting out of my room thinking, now I have to walk to the local coffee shop, which is half a mile away, no big deal. And I get out and it's cold, and I think to myself, do I really need coffee? So I go back in the room and I close the door and I sit down on the sofa and I start yelping all the other coffee places. And then I find one that's half, two, 0.2 miles away. And I get outside and I say, but what about DoorDash? Maybe DoorDash, right? So I close the door, I sit down, and I get my DoorDash order. And if you ever, those of you who DoorDash, I don't DoorDash that often, but a DoorDash, inevitably, it's like, oh, here's a coffee for $5 that will be delivered to my house. And then when you get done with it, it's like, your total is $183, right? So I get through this process, and I'm like, no, I shouldn't do this. I'll go to the first coffee shop. So I'm out of the door. And then finally, the manager who sees me come out of my door three times comes out from his office and says, is everything okay, sir? Because at this point, he's seen me come out, in and out of my room three times, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to decide whether or not I want coffee, right? (laughs) And literally, what probably would have taken 20 minutes to go there and back took an hour and a half because my thinking was out of alignment because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do in that moment. But we find ourselves out of integrity, disjointed in our thinking so often, whether it's with the coffee or, or the donut or our anger or whether it's with our choices or our insecurities or our relationships. We find ourselves saying, this is who I know I'm capable of becoming. This is the person that I know Jesus has, has created me to be. And yet here is this other type of thinking that I find myself in and the pieces can't seem to come into agreement with one another. It seems like we have a hard time integrating our lives as one whole. While God is one, whole, incomplete, unfragmented, we often find ourselves the opposite. Fragmented, disjointed, out of alignment. But we are actually called to live a life of wholeness. That, that, that God invites us into this relationship where he says, I would like to invite you to become like me. 
I would like for you to become God-like in your living. And in that invitation, he says, I would like for you to become one as well. Whole, complete, undivided, undivided, no longer disjointed, out of integrity, fragmented to become complete versus this divided mind and heart that we oftentimes find ourselves in. And here's what I find is that almost every single human being I've ever talked to longs to live a whole life. They long to have the pieces integrated, that we long to have our life come together in a way where we're like, man, I am living in alignment I, have, I am clear about who I am. I'm clear about who God's called me to be and the mission he has for my life. And I am fully stepping into that with passion and purpose and power. And there is no part of me that is out of alignment with who I know I am capable of being. But how do we get there? What brings all the pieces together? I, I'm going to ask you to consider that the more you train yourself to see everything as a gift the more that you foster gratitude in your life, that the natural byproduct of gratitude is wholeness. That as you begin to see all the pieces in your life that feel fragmented or out of alignment or disjointed or those that you've put into the bad category, that when we begin to be grateful for all the things, that our life becomes whole. In fact, how many of you notice that all through even our day, we begin to separate things into bad piles and good piles. Yes? These are the bad things that have happened historically. These are the good things. Even as we go about our day, these are all the bad things that have happened. These are all the good things that have happened. Even right backstage before we came up this morning should have been very easy for us. We've had so many technical difficulties. And it seems like half the world has RSV this week. And so everyone's home and sick. Welcome online for those of you who are joining us. And... Uh, and we were backstage going like, oh, this feels bad, right? Even this morning, we're, we're categorizing the experience into bad and good piles in life. And we just naturally find ourselves doing that. The events that over here, they're blessing and they're productive and they're healing. And then there's other events that are a curse and they're destructive and they never should have happened. And there is nothing available in there. And I'm going to invite you even currently to notice what in your life are you putting in two separate piles? What in your life have you already determined lives in the bad pile? For example, your finances. Where do they currently live? Are they in the bad pile or the good pile? Your career. Where is that living? The good pile or the bad pile? Your health. The good pile, the bad pile. Your relationships. All the various ones. I'm sure they're even divided up into various piles among those places. We, we find ourselves putting our life into separate piles and then being really grateful for the We're exceptionally grateful for the good things that exist over here. And the bad things over there, we try to mitigate. We, we try to put those over there. And here's the thing, that the more that we separate our life into two lists, and the further they become, and the more we, we become divided in our gratitude, we will find ourselves unable to access the wholeness that we long for, the wholeness that we desire, the wholeness that we know is available for, for us. Because here's what happened, is that as the piles start piling up, we begin weighing our life seeing how are the piles adding up? How many of you notice that when there's more good happening in your life, you feel good, yes? And then when the bad starts to pile up, it's like, oh no, here we go. Now I feel bad. And my experience of life shifts back and forth. 
How many of you notice even throughout the day, you find yourself in different moods based on the piles, right? There are times, I, I can't tell you how many times in life where I've been worried about something and I'm frustrated and I'm angry and then I forget about it and I'm having like a good experience and then I find myself going, what was it that I was supposed to be worried about again? Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden life floods back, right? We find ourselves going back and forth in between these spaces and our lives in that way stay fragmented for a while. But the scriptures actually give us a very different way to look at life other than this fragmented way of dividing our life into good, bad, right, wrong. Should have happened, shouldn't have happened. See, when are we to foster gratitude? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What are we called to be grateful for? Ephesians 5.12 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what the scriptures invite us into is no longer fragmenting our life into good, bad, right, wrong, helpful, unhelpful, curse and blessing, should have happened, shouldn't have happened. What the scriptures call us into is a place where we just say, thank you. In every circumstance, for everything, in every season. Which flies in the face of everything that we are told in our culture. It flies in the face of everything that we, we tell ourselves inside about the, the status of life around us. See, as we foster gratitude in all circumstances, for all things, we actually start living a whole life. It actually starts putting the pieces back together. It allows us to take all of the pieces and put them into one pile, and we call that pile a gift. And we call that pile blessing. And it allows us to not only see life in the whole, but it allows us to see everything as the gift. And again, it comes down to how we train our eyes to see. See, because look, let's just be honest. Some of you are pessimists in the room. And when you look out through life, you look out through that pile of all the bad. It just informs your lens. So when you look out at life, all you see is all the things that have gone wrong and all the things that could gone, go wrong. Like, you know, like you're, you are the people, and look, no judgment. Just notice if this is you, that you, when you find yourself getting a good thing, you've already predetermined that it's going to turn into a bad thing, Right? Like, I get the new car. Well, the insurance is so much, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it, and I'm probably going to get in an accident, right? Get in a new relationship. It's like, well, it's, it's good now. We'll see what happens. They may leave me. They're probably going to do this crazy thing over here. They're probably going to fill in the blank, whatever it may be. You get the new job, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, we'll see what happens along the way. I'm not talking about being a realist. There's a difference between, about, between being a realist and a pessimist. A realist actually looks at all the data and goes, let me make a decision. A pessimist has predetermined that things are not going to work out based on what they've experienced in the past. They see everything through a lens of skepticism and fear and despair. Where the optimist on the other side looks out through a very different lens. They, looks out through, they look out through a lens of abundance that is informed by gratitude and have you found people that can be in the exact same situation and one person is looking out at it through a lens of despair and one person is looking out at it through a lens of hope and things transform? 
I, I work with people in helping them to discover their talents and their strengths as a strengths coach with an assessment called the Strengths Finder. And one of the strengths, there's 34 human talents that every single human being has. Some people have more different ones than others. And uh, one of those 34 strengths is called positivity. Now, when I first heard about positivity, I thought, that's cute, right? <laughs> like, that's one of those gratitude, gentleness, right, ones. And then when I began studying it in the institute that we're in, they, they, they brought us to this moment where they said there are two out of all of the 34 talent themes that when you have someone with this talent on your team, your chances of success triple. And one of those is called competition. The other one was positivity. That they found out that when people who actually live their lives through a lens of optimism, through a lens of positivity, that they look out at the world through, this will turn out. That there is something beautiful that will come from this, that their chances of moving forward in life triple. And not only their chances, but every single person in their sphere of influence is their chance triple as well. And this is the beauty of seeing life through this lens that everything is a gift. Now look, while I'm not talking about realists over here, I, I'm, I'm not talking about fantasy over here. There's a difference between being an optimist and living in fantasy. I'm not talking about, this is so wonderful that I'm being abused and that I've lost all my money and I don't have a job. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about saying there is something beautiful that will come as a result of this space. Corey Tenboom, who is uh, a young Jewish girl who survived the Holocaust and later on became to be a follower of Jesus, wrote her memoirs. And in her memoirs, she talks about how when she and her friends were in a concentration camp, they had a copy of the scriptures available to them. And they would oftentimes sit around and read through the scriptures together and have a time of prayer with one another. And they got to this passage that we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. And they began thanking God for all the things that they had available to them. And Corey's younger sister said, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the fleas that are all over our mattress and they're all over our hair and that bite us every night, and they're all over our clothes, and that literally cover the barracks. And Corey was like, okay, this is way too much, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm down with the whole, like, giving thanks for the food we have, and be giving thanks that we have survived. I'm giving down, I'm even down for giving thanks that, that we have work to do, but no, I am not thanking the Lord for the fleas. And her sister paused and said, no, 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 no. See, the, the, soldiers and the military police dare not come into our barracks because of the fleas. And it's why, at some ways, we stay safe and are able to have moments like this where we can open the scriptures and share freely with one another because the trained military police dare not come into the barracks filled with fleas. And so she said, let's give thanks to the fleas because they've kept us alive. Now, that's a whole new level of gratitude right there, right? <laughs> that, that's a whole new level of thanks for everything and every circumstance. But there's something beautiful in this. Henry Nouwen, who's a renowned psychologist and author, writes this. He says, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, 
The successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would like to forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift from God to be grateful for. Now there's a reason why those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus can actually step into a space of gratitude for everything in all circumstances. And it's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a passage that many of you are familiar with. But it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. We have been called according to his purpose. Some translation says he works all things together for our good. What if, I know this is crazy, But what if in God's book, for your life, there were no oops? There were no accidents. There were no, oh, I didn't see that coming. There were no, oh, how are we going to repair this in his book? Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that he ordained everything. I'm not saying that everything in your life he gave a thumbs up to and said, yeah, that's awesome. This is exactly what I wanted for their life. But that every single thing that has happened in your life that you have a strong desire to put into the bad category, God looks at that and he says, even that I will transform for something beautiful that he uses everything together for good. See, I can tell you that I am a pastor today not because I had a beautiful experience with pastors growing up. (laughs) I'm a pastor today because I had a horrible experience in church. That I I experienced incredible abuse of power. And I, I experienced politics at its worst. And I experienced people letting me down in ways that were unthinkable. And it was because of that experience that God began to work everything together for good and said, you're going to do this in a new way. I have so much compassion for people who go through health struggles now because of all of the health struggles that I've been through in my own life. I find myself incredibly competent in certain areas because I was bullied growing up. And in that bullying, one of the ways that I learned how to survive was to become incredibly competent, incredibly skilled, and incredibly intelligent to outsmart those who are attempting to lessen my impact. And I find myself incredibly skilled in certain areas because of how I related to things over here. Now, do I think that God ordained any of those things in my life? Absolutely not. I actually think that when those things were taking place in my life, that God actually wept with me in those spaces. And I fully believe that he says, I will waste nothing. I will use all of that for something beautiful in your life if you're willing to hang in there. See, because there is a strong temptation to take all of that and to put it in the bad pile. But I refuse to continue on in just a more fragmented life, I will fight for my wholeness, looking at all the things that have happened in the past. See, 
When I look at that, I just say, no, I've, I refuse to live longer a disjointed life, a disconnected life, a fragmented life. And so in my gratitude, I begin looking at even all of those circumstances through a new lens and say, God, what is the good that you have pulled out of this? And what is the good that you want to continue to pull out of this available to me here and now in this circumstance, in this situation, in this place that I find myself in? And the greatest thing about this is that I do not have to manufacture my wholeness. I do not have to conjure up goodness in my life. In fact, this is why when the scriptures say there is no one that is good, I look at that and go, this is good news. Because that's not my responsibility to conjure up and to manufacture goodness in my life. My one job is to foster gratitude. And as I foster gratitude, Jesus comes along and says, I will make all things new, I will bring it all together for good, and I will make your life whole. Which is so beautiful. But the only actionable on our part is foster gratitude. Give thanks in all situations, in all circumstances, because when everything becomes a gift, I get to then step into a space of wonder around, God, what is the good that you're going to pull out of all of the ugly around me? What is the light that you long to bring into the darkness that I see around me? What is the hope that you are going to bring into the hopelessness that I am currently in? See, this is how I can read that passage and be super relieved. <laughs> because I am connected to a God that works all things together for good. It is something not that I manufacture, but that I receive from him. And the faster I surrender to that reality, the faster I get to live in my wholeness, in my completeness. See, when you allow this type of room for the spirit in your life, you will find yourself coming alive in ways that you did not think were possible. Because you no longer are looking at your life and saying, well, that's not possible because of this, and I can't do that because this thing happened, and I, I never had that, so this is what I have to have over here in life. Suddenly, there's a new life that is birthed into you through the Spirit because now you see things differently. You know, it's, it's always interesting when people talk about the Spirit of God moving, that oftentimes they want to talk about like these bizarre inhuman experiences. Like, like when people talk about the spirit moving, they talk about these superhuman experiences. Like I always know when someone asks me the question, are you a spirit-filled church? I know exactly what they're asking me. They're asking me, do you speak in tongues, do you do miracles, and do you heal people? Not, not, not a problem with that, right? I'm just, I notice that when we talk about the spirit of God moving in the most powerful ways, we oftentimes think about the spirit moving in these extra superhuman contexts. But you know what I have found to be the greatest evidence of the spirit moving in our lives? Is when the pieces start getting put back together. Is when he takes areas that were fragmented and disconnected and that were once evil and dark and hopeless and he begins weaving them together and as we work with the spirit, we come out on the other side and we can look at that and go, wow, he has put what was meant as a curse into a blessing. We have taken what was darkness and brought it into the light. We have taken what was chaos and created beauty out of it and it is because his spirit has been with us. 
See, the greatest evidence that the Spirit has been with you is a whole life. And there are all kinds of other indicators. But I would ask you to consider that that may be one of the most palpable, powerful evidences of him. Now, how do you know that you're moving towards this direction? How do you know that you're fostering gratitude and that the pieces are starting to come back together? How do you know when you're integrating your life and that you find yourself in a space where now you, you, you are no, or you're moving out of fragmentation and into a space of wholeness? See, there's actually a clear sign that you are living an integrated life. And it shows up time and time again, and, and it keeps showing up in a very powerful way. Here's the thing, that those who are fragmented and live in a space of fragmentation and pessimism tend to live a life of taking. That they look out at the world through that lens and they find themselves saying, I need to take to make up for what I don't have. Those who live a whole life and find themselves moving towards integration find themselves in a space of giving that they find themselves giving more than they take. Have you ever been with someone in a relationship who is like an emotional leech? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Now you might be the emotional leech, that's okay, all right? If that's you, it's all right. But you know those people that when you're in a relationship with them, they just take and take and take and take, and then when you're out, they get mad at you because you weren't there for them. You know what I'm talking about. That's, I've never had that experience with any of you in the room, but, um, but here's the thing. As long as your perspective is informed by all of the pieces, by separating our life in between the good and the bad, the beautiful and the chaotic, as long as we keep separating our lives in that space, you will always live life from a deficit weighing the piles and you will find yourself needing to take from others in some way, shape, or form. But see, when you move towards wholeness, you start recognizing like, oh, I'm complete. Everything's a gift. I have what I need. And so there is no need to fill in the gaps from other people because now I'm in a relationship with a God who not only puts the pieces back together, but then he makes all things new. And then he not only puts the pieces back together, but then he uses them for good. So I am never in a deficit when I am connected to the God who heals the pieces, who integrates us as one. We, we call this the 51% rule. Because when you find yourself here, when you find yourself in wholeness, you just start giving a little more than you're taking. Even if it puts you over just the edge where you're giving 51% and you're taking 49%, you have just moved from a producer to a consumer. You have just moved from a place where your life now becomes a gift to others. And you no longer feel the need to constantly take to make up for what has been because you can see the gifts in your life. So just ask yourself the question, what percentage of my life am I giving away right now? What percentage of my life am I freed up to just release to other people, to be poured out to the world around you? And how much of your life is focused on you and what you need and what you don't have and how you've been left or betrayed or hurt or abandoned in some way, shape, or form. How much of your life is spent complaining about what you don't have versus rejoicing for what you do have. 
Just notice where you fall in this. The beautiful thing about that is that in any moment you can shift when you connect to the God who is one, who is whole, who is complete, who is not fragmented in his thinking and invites you into that space. And here's the beautiful byproduct of this, is that as you begin to integrate the pieces and allow the Spirit of God to move in you, and you become like him, one, whole, that the natural byproduct of wholeness is joy. That joy begins to well up in us because we recognize, man, my life is so beautiful in the middle of this. See, I, I oftentimes wonder, is it possible for joy to be a more authentic human experience than despair? Because I, have, I think we're really convinced of our ability to have an experience, to create an experience of despair. I don't know if we're as like, confident in our ability or willingness to say that joy is an equally human experience that is permanent as despair is. See, and the, and the beautiful thing is that when you allow your wounds to define you, you will find yourself in despair. But when you find yourself surrendering to the Spirit of God and allowing Him to put the pieces back together, joy becomes the default state for you. It becomes the state that, that wells up as you keep fostering gratitude in your life. See, you can certainly continue living a life angry, disgruntled, disappointed, about all the things that have happened in your past. Or you can recognize that there is so much beauty available to you here and now because of who Jesus is. And if I don't find it, if, if, I'm, if I don't find all of the beauty, then I know my life will, will be less than. See, the beautiful thing about this is we're invited into this search, this quest, to find all of the beauty, all of the hope, all of the goodness that is already available to us in Jesus. So you can live your life like a bunch of fragmented pieces, or you can allow the God of wholeness who is one to begin putting the pieces back together and turn you into this beautiful mosaic that you get to allow his light to shine through you, to show the world how beautiful he is because of your pieces, not in spite of them. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that, that you are the God who, who longs to make us whole. That you, oh God, who are one, you invite us into that space. And so we receive that invitation today. God, I pray for those who are struggling with all the pieces and they're struggling with all of the the past histories and the things that have been, even the current things, God, that they're looking at going, there is no way that goodness can come from this. There is no way that beauty could come from this. There is no way that joy is possible in the midst of this. There is no way that I can be made whole again. Jesus, I ask that right now that you would begin speaking to them, reminding them that while you did not ordain those things, that you will use them for good. And this morning, if you're here and you have not yet connected to Jesus, if you're online and you're listening to this, you're like, man, I, I feel like I have all these fragmented parts of my life that are out of alignment, that are disjointed. I feel out of integrity even with myself. 
And what I know God to be speaking into me, even though some of you may have never even met him, this is your opportunity to step into relationship with him. And I want you just to, to pray this prayer. This prayer is not anything magical. It's not like suddenly God comes in your heart at this moment. It's just a prayer of surrender, saying that you'll follow him. And if that's you, I'd love for you just to look up at me, just to let me know, like, that's me. I want to connect to Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. Awesome. So many in the room. And those of you who are online, you can just click that button that says, today I choose to follow Jesus. I want you just to pray this prayer with me. You can just say it silently to yourself. Up to him, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am a sinner, like this passage says. And I know that you came and you died for me. And you came back to life so that I could live, so that I could be made whole. And so I give you my life and I make you Lord. And I surrender to you. Would you put the pieces back together and make something beautiful out of it? I thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.